New Orleans Saints plus two and a half at the Cleveland Browns. Only a 32 and a half point total. Here's some nasty weather uh, up there in Cleveland and really across the whole Midwest and Eastern U.S. this weekend. Now, for the Saints, Chris Olave hasn't practiced this week. I just saw before we hopped on to record this, he missed practice again today, Thursday. In danger of missing the game, I think it's probably a pretty good bet. Now, Rashid Shaheed had a, I think, 70-yard touchdown catch last week from Taysom Hill, of all people. But is he a good replacement for Olave, or would you just look for other games in this one, especially given the weather? I think you can probably stream Shahid. I think, you know, he's been a top wide receiver, top 36 wide receiver for two weeks running. Um, you know, Cleveland is 16 versus the pass. They're 27th against wide receiver twos. So, I mean, that matchup becomes a little trickier if Chris Olave misses out. But Shahid's led the Saints wide receivers in snaps for the last couple of games. There's a 17% target share. So he's become really involved. Uh, as it is, Chris Olave's seen his snaps drop down from 70%, which he was averaging for most season, down like 58 over the last four games. So it's not like Olave's been in incredible form. Maybe he's hitting the rookie wall. Maybe he's banged up and we just don't know it. But yeah, I like Shahid. This game to me feels like one which is going to be a Taysom Hill game, though, you know, with the cold weather running that big monster of a tight end quarterback hybrid straight down the face of the uh, Browns. And uh, he's played 44% of the snaps in the last five games, which is up from 29% over the last five. So it feels like New Orleans leaning into him quite a bit. So whether it's with using him in the passing game, the running game or both, uh, he's somebody I think is a sneaky start. Is he someone speaking of Taysom Hill? And we'll get to this other game in a moment, but with the Ravens, Mark Andrews. I personally have Mark, Mark Andrews, and it's been frustrating. You're in the semifinals. Would you consider benching Mark Andrews to start Taysom Hill? And again, we'll get more to the Ravens game, but just quickly, is that something you'd consider for this week? Probably not, just because Atlanta's defense is pretty bad, and that's yeah. the only thing. I mean, Mark Andrews has been playing awful, but I think I'd just have to break that tie on Atlanta being so bad. Yeah, Mark Andrews, you can can count on his usage as well. You know he's gonna gonna run the routes, get the targets there uh, on the ground as well for the Saints. It's a really good spot for Alvin Kamara, uh, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards. Both had good days. Dobbins had 13 for 125 last week. Edwards seven for 55. Uh, Kamara had 91 last week. His over uh, his total rushing yards only set at 64 and a half. Uh, he hit the over that that I mentioned last week. I like that again this week because Cleveland is so bad against the run. Do you like Kamara in the DFS this week? I'm a little bit burned by Alvin Kamara, I'll be honest. It's like it's been such a difficult season. He's had one week where he scored a touchdown. He scored three that week, and then he's had none in any of the games. Like, you know, this is a guy who last year I think he had nine touchdowns, he had five in the receiving game, and then this year it's just you know, we saw him losing work to David Johnson of all people last week. I mean, David Johnson was out of the league for most of the season, so I think it's a good matchup, and if you have to start him, I'll be starting him in a couple of fantasy semifinals this week where I have no other choice, but I don't feel great about it, and I think there's so many stars on the DFS slate this weekend that I'd probably look elsewhere. Yeah, and then on the Cleveland side, just quickly, I feel like we talked about this, going to be a, probably a ground and pound Nick Chubb. Anyone else that you would, would feel comfortable starting from, from them or you think they're going to throw the ball much at all? I've kind of got a feeling it might be an Amari Cooper week. This is in Cleveland. I know the the total at 32.5 is ridiculously low, but we've seen Amari Cooper perform better at home than on the road. He seems to be slowly getting there with Deshaun Watson. He's seen his targets drop from 8.4 with Jacoby Brissett down to 7.3, and his yards per route have dropped from 2.2 to 1.5. But the Saints, particularly if Marshawn Lattimore doesn't play, and I've given up trying to guess whether Marshawn Lattimore is ever going to play another game, they they rank 29th against wide receiver ones, so it really does feel like it could possibly be an Amari Cooper week. And definitely, again, Nick Chubb going to be uh, a slam dunk start return to practice, so he's in a, in a really good spot there. I do think in this one at home in that weather, uh, the Browns cover. Uh, the weather does make the total tough for me, though. Very cold, very windy, even with the really low total. I went under here because I think both teams are just going to ground and pound. It's going to be a much slower-paced game. Um, so I'm going to stick with the under there, even at 32.5. Seems a little risky, but I'm going to go with it. How about you? I'm going with uh, the Saints to cover. Again, another really close game I'm fancying. And I, well, actually, I'm going with the Saints to win this game because I just feel like it's it's a spot where they could surprise people. They're not entirely out of the running for their division yet. So, And I'm just going to creep with over. I know that we're, as a site, low on this total, expecting it to be even lower than it is. But 
32 just feels too low for me. Maybe I'm being too optimistic. Cincinnati Bengals minus three at the New England Patriots, 41 and a half point total. That New England defense is good, but a lot of a lot of their uh, really good games came against inferior opponents. It doesn't really matter for Cincinnati going against a good defense, whether New England is really that good at all. Uh, you've got a pretty good stack that you like against the Patriots this week, don't you? Yeah, I really like Joe Burrow and T. Higgins this week. I mean, we've like you said, the Patriots are good against bad teams, and then they seem to keep crumbling against really good teams. I mean, like last week, they completely crumbled against a bad Raiders team. So, <laughs> yeah. But Joe Burrow scored 24 or more points in three of his last five games, scored the second most passing touchdowns in the league, ranks fifth in effective yards. He's got 2.6 passing touchdowns per game over his last five games. So it's like... This Bengals team is rolling. And T. Higgins, I like him in particular because New England are 25th against wide receiver twos in DVOA, and that's their kind of clear weak spot. People kind of got burnt by T. Higgins a couple of weeks ago when he didn't play more than a single, I think it was one snap he played. So that's the obvious play for me. I think people are probably going to stay away from Joe Mixon a little bit because... Like he started seeding a little bit of a work to Samaji P. Ryan. He's like only had 65% of the snaps over the last couple of weeks, whereas earlier on in the year, he was sort of sitting at 80. So I think you can play Joe Mixon if you don't want to play the passing game, but I'll be all over Joe Burrow and T. Higgins. And the production was not there for Joe Mixon or Samaj P. Ryan last week. It was a rough day on the ground for those Bengals. On the other side, though, Ramondre Stevenson had a huge game on the ground in his return after missing the second half of week 14. Didn't didn't miss a full game, but did miss that second half. Only player really on that team that had a good game. Looking at the, the stat lines there, I think the, the most receptions anyone had was two or three for 24, 34 yards, something like that. Is Ramondre the only really solid play for New England? Is there anyone else you'd consider? There's not a single other player I'd consider. I mean, it's just, it's week after week. We're seeing Mac Jones screaming at his teammates, screaming at the offensive coordinators, like screaming at himself for being pretty poor at times. I mean, lost in that incredibly weird play at the end of the game against the Raiders was the fact that Mac Jones had thrown for 112 yards on 31 pass attempts. That's 3.6 yards per attempt and the lowest amongst all starters last weekend which is even worse when you consider the fact that you had players like Colt McCoy, Desmond Ritter, and Tyler Huntley playing. Like It was a truly awful performance, and the only player you can play is Ramondre Stevenson, who's 74 targets this year of a third most amongst running backs. And making that, that game or that performance look even worse than the fact that those other quarterbacks are out there is Las Vegas has the second-worst pass defense in the league and could barely even get over 100 yards. So rough day there. Ramondre, the main one. This one was pretty simple to me, picking it. I think Bengals cover pretty easily. Over 41 and a half, I think the Bengals could could get up into the 30s against them there. Um, and New England could score a, a time or two to get that over 41 and a half. What do you think? Yeah, I'm going with the same. I feel like the over, maybe we'll just see New England kick a bunch of field goals to get up to yep. sort of 15 points or so. Yeah, I think Nick Folk is what the highest scoring kicker in fantasy this year. Uh, so good opportunity for him if they can get down the field. Buffalo Bills minus eight at the Chicago Bears. 40-point total here. One of the higher totals in some of those bad weather games, but expecting some cold, some wind there up in Chicago. Weather, uh, of course, is a concern. But the Buffalo Bills are used to playing in this as well. I don't really see them having trouble against Chicago. Now, I know you like Stephon Diggs, but what about Gabe Davis? He comes up a lot because he's been very disappointing this year based on draft hype. But Chicago is also only 24th against wide receiver twos and 21st against deep passes. Is he due for a breakout in the fantasy semifinals? Well, some of us need him. It'd be really nice if he did, uh, because like we say, he's been very inconsistent. I think a lot of people will feel very, you know, a big sense of trepidation about whether you can even start him this week. I will say the Bears over the last three games have allowed the 12th fewest fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. So it's not quite as bad as it's been on the season. They've allowed the six most. So they really, it was a weakness, but in recent weeks, whether that's because teams haven't felt the need to throw on them or not, they just haven't been giving up those points. I think he's definitely somebody I'd consider playing in DFS stacks. I think you can really aggressively attack this game. You know, it feels like a lot of people are going to count on Josh Allen's rushing yards, but like, Stefan Diggs has been incredible. He's scored over 20 points in eight games this year. And if you're adding him into it, if you add Gabe Davis into it as well, and just really hope this game sh turns into a high points total mm -hmm. and that a lot of the others hit the under, then you could be in for a big week. 
Yeah, that Buffalo defense hasn't been what we thought it was going to be this year, uh, really giving up some points to opponents. And then with Gabe Davis, as we know, kind of the tough part, all it takes is one long touchdown pass for him. So it's really hard to sit him. I've currently got him in my second flex spot uh, in my home league semifinals. So I'm, I think I'm going to stick with him, but uh, I'm definitely looking at the options out there. On the other side, we know Fields is going to run the ball, so he's going to be a good play there, uh, I think. But can he do enough passing to lift up anyone else around him, or is Fields the only play based on his legs? I'm not playing anyone else but Fields. I think, you know, you mentioned it, this Buffalo pass defense hasn't been what we expected, but it just seems like the only thing really going is the ground game for Chicago. They should get Khalil Herbert back this weekend. I'm excited to see him. I mean, he's missed four games, but he has more rushing yards than Alvin Kamara, Leonard Fournette, DeAndre Swift. He looked really explosive at times earlier this season, and he's a much more exciting running back than David Montgomery, in my opinion. Um, Cole Komet, he had those two weeks where he blew up in week nine and 10, but since then he's finished as a tight end 17, 24, six, and then 22. So... There's nothing really to count on. And we saw Justin Fields say earlier this week that he'd like to go for the all-time QB rushing record, which Lamar Jackson has. It's 1,206 yards. He needs 70 yards per game to get there. And it just feels like they're really going to lean into that. Yeah, they're going to give him a lot of run in between Komet and Gabe Davis, two very highly hyped players in the offseason and the draft season that have really disappointed aside from a couple of weeks. We call them better, the better and best ball players, those guys. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, what do you like there? I'll let you take this one first. Uh, Buffalo minus eight in that 40-point total. I've gone with Chicago to cover. I feel like minus eight might be giving a little too much to Buffalo, um, but I've gone with the over as well. I feel like both these teams... Buffalo can do it through the air and any weather. And Chicago, their ground game's been reliable enough that they can probably put up points. And Chicago just seems to lose games, but they're almost in with a chance with winning. Yeah, I'm with you there. I like the over 40 as well. I think the Bills thrive, like you said, in any type of weather. Seattle Seahawks plus 10 at the Kansas City Chiefs. 49-point total. I believe this is the highest total of the week. Still going to be some cold weather there in the Midwest in Chicago. As well, no Tyler Lockett, though, for Seattle. Are you expecting just a monster target share in a huge game for DK Metcalf, or Marquise Goodwin going to get a decent enough amount of work to be considered a startable uh, flex in season long and a good good DFS play? Yeah, I like both of them. I think DK Metcalf looks like a really obvious play. I mean, he scored over 17 PPR points in half his games this year. Now you're going to take Tyler Lockett out of the mix. And Marquise Goodwin doesn't run all his routes in the same way that uh, Tyler Lockett does so it doesn't feel exactly transferable but he's played a lot this season and I'm sure that he's going to see a good bump in usage the Chiefs rank 32nd against wide receiver ones for allowing the third most yardage to them so it feels like DK will have his monster day they've allowed 12 wide receivers to score 15 or more PPR points they're just they're not a good passing defense so yeah I feel like you can play both of them I feel like you can play Kenneth Walker if you need to and, you know, if you're in a real pinch, no offense, been in nice form of late. And looking at someone like Marquise Goodwin, is that someone you'd play over a, uh, I know we talked about Gabe Davis in our Buffalo one, and a lot of people kind of, I've seen him very close in the rankings. Which of those do you prefer if you had to take your pick there? Uh, just fringe just towards Marquise Goodwin. It wouldn't be by a lot, but I like, you know, the higher over under in this to in this game and with Kansas defense being worse against the pass, I just feel like that's uh, that's an area where it could be good. I was thinking the same thing. I think the, the volume will be there a little bit more for Marquise Goodwin. The Chiefs are in the top half. They're not top 10, but top half in blitz rate. I believe us also could be a lot of passes over the middle uh, for Goodwin there as well. And did score a couple touchdowns uh, way back week six or seven when DK Metcalf left early. So I would lean the same way there with you on Marquise Goodwin. On the other side, we had another big game from Jarek McKinnon in a surprisingly close game against the Texans last week. Scored the game-winning touchdown in overtime. Is he the better play over Pacheco? We know Pacheco still gets a lot of that early down work and was still involved. And they're 10-point favorites again this week. Yeah, I think I'm kind of leaning into McKinnon. A couple of weeks ago, I was feeling there was more Pacheco's role, but we've seen McKinnon doesn't get game scripted out of it. He gets the receiving work. He's also getting involved near the goal lines at time, which and that's where all the fantasy points come from. You look at someone like Jamal Williams, when he's not scoring touchdowns, he's completely worthless. But with McKinnon, he's seen that receiving usage. He's scoring touchdowns. And it was only a couple of weeks ago we heard reports out of Kansas City that he's the most trusted of the running backs in that room. So I really like him. 
And the Seahawks, they just can't defend running backs at all in any shape of a game. And then Travis Kelsey, always a good play, especially this week, Seattle, 28th against tight ends. Seattle also uh, dead last against wide receiver twos. Do you envision that being more Kadarius Tony or Marquez Valdez-Scantling if they're still going to kind of work Tony back in after uh, coming back from injury? It just feels a bit like Kadarius Tony's usage is going to be very unpredictable. It's going to be very hard to guess outside of Juju and Kelsey who's going to get anything week to week. So I think, yeah, I'd be more interested in Kadarius Tony's prop lines than I would be starting him in fantasy or even DFS. I feel like Marcus Valdez-Scantling, he's had a couple of okay games lately. He's, you know, he's not what we hoped he might be in that offense, but he's been on the field more consistently. Yeah, and Kelsey almost kind of as wide receiver one and Juju kind of a wide receiver two. Doesn't work that way by our numbers, obviously, because Kelsey's a tight end. But those two guys, really the ones that, like you said, you can count on there. Now, this one, these these big totals have gone with the favorites a lot this year. Um, It hasn't always been great, but sometimes it has been. I, in this one, though, I like Seattle to cover, maybe like a backdoor cover late. I do think uh, they've kind of struggled a little bit lately, but I think they're able to score some points especially against that Chiefs defense that really hasn't been that great. Uh, I do think under 49, though. 49 is a lot of points. I know both these teams can hit there and can score, but I'm not sure, quite sure it gets to 49 points this week. Well, I'm I'm with you on everything apart from the points total. I'm just hoping for some big points totals to drive home uh, some fantasy goodness. Yeah, hoping to get up into the 60s, and there's been a lot of fantasy goodness between those, those two teams this year, and that is Seattle at Kansas City. New York Giants plus four at Minnesota Vikings, 48-point total. Both the running backs in this game, Saquon Barkley and Dalvin Cook, have good matchups. Which do you prefer between Dalvin and Barkley? I'm going to lean with Barkley. I mean, he was able to rush for 87 yards last week, and he looked much fresher than he had done in quite a long time. He also saw a season high in targets with eight. Vikings ranked 26 against wide uh, as running backs as wide as receivers. So that feels like an area of the game you can really capitalize on. And then TJ Hawkinson for Minnesota did have a quiet week in a game. The Vikings played from way behind to come back and win. We know good bounce back spot this week. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, the Giants haven't been anything special against tight ends this year. Um, You know, they've given up plenty of points and touchdowns at times. So Hawkinson, he's not somebody who's been an every week sort of great player. But since that trade, he's tied with, I think, it's only Travis Kelsey who's got more targets than him. Yeah, good spot there for him. 45 and a half uh, receiving yards is his prop line there. I would like the over there. You said in a good spot there, getting the targets. Uh, so I think he gets over there. And then Vikings fifth in DVOA against wide receiver two, but only 25th defending short passes. So Darius Slayton is the, the popular receiver for the Giants. What about Richie James this week? Yeah, I love Richie James. Just expanding on that point that you mentioned, the Vikings are really struggling against slot receivers in general. They've allowed the second most fantasy points to them. Richie James has lined up in the slot on 82% of his snaps this season. He's averaging 5.8 targets over the last four games. He's very cheap this weekend, and he just feels like the kind of player that if you want some leverage off playing Saquon Barkley, he feels like the easy pivot. And Giants going into Minnesota, four-point underdogs here. Every Vikings game seems to be close. So I'm taking the Giants to cover, but Vikings to win there at home. And over 48, I think there's going to be a lot of points between these two offenses against these defenses. I'm going with Minnesota to cover and to win this one and going with the over. I just feel like the Giants are fading quite quickly. You know, they they possibly got a little bit lucky against Washington last week, but we don't need to get into that. Yeah. <laughs> Expecting a lot of points there. Atlanta Falcons plus seven at Baltimore Ravens, 35 and a half point total. Atlanta is bad against both the pass and the run. They're 26th or worse in DVOA against each. But given the Ravens passing game situation and Lamar Jackson has been ruled out, it is going to be Tyler Huntley starting. The running game is probably the best bet in this one, would you say? Yeah, definitely. And J.K. Dobbins hasn't really been priced up to a level which I would have expected him to be. He's only 5,800 and we saw... You know, in the last two weeks since he came back from IR, he leads all running backs in rushing yards with 245. He's averaging 8.8 yards per carry, which is just ludicrous. And it was just, as a Ravens fan, it was mind-blowing to see Greg Roman move away from the running game and start heavily passing the ball last week when Tyler Huntley's not able to do that this year. 
Yeah, a good spot we mentioned on the Saints game, talking about Taysom Hill or Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews still getting the volume, the targets, hoping for a better game here again against an Atlanta team that's really not good against the pass or the run. So it could be a big spot when a lot of people need him in the semis. On that Atlanta side, Desmond Ritter's first start last week. Tyler Algier had a huge game. Drake London has had back-to-back 11-plus target games, I think 11 and 12, uh, or 12 and 11. I don't remember the order. Do you think they can repeat this week against this Baltimore defense? I think that Drake London's probably more likely to. I mean, he had 70 of the 97 passing yards last week, which is just ludicrous. You just don't see that kind of percentage uh, for one player. But the Ravens over the last four games ranked first against a rush, and they've really just completely clamped down on that. They've played some good running backs in that time, but still held them to very little. So I think I'd be more interested in, if you're looking to correlate a play on DFS, I'd be looking to correlate Drake London with J.K. Dobbins or even Gus Edwards, who's 4,800 and probably a good bit of leverage away from the more chalky Dobbins. Yeah, Edwards had just seven carries, but 55 yards, uh, had a 25-yarder, and then 30 on his other six. So had a really good game last week, as well as Dobbins. I'll let you go first on this one with your Ravens. Seven-point favorites, 35-and-a-half point total, another one of those low totals this week. I'm going with Atlanta to cover. I just, you know, as a Ravens fan, that's not what I want to see, but it just feels like that's the way the Ravens are winning games when we do win them. Uh, but I've gone with the over. I feel like this one could be something like, you know, 21-18 or so and just sneak over that. Yep, so I'm with you there. Atlanta to cover, Baltimore to win. I went under 35 and a half. Uh, Ravens often with Tyler Huntley just has not been very good really the last four or five weeks. Uh, the Atlanta defense isn't very good, but I think it could be a slower pace game there between those two in the Colts. So I'm going to go with the under, uh, but could, could easily see that one going a little bit over, but just lean under there. And that's Atlanta at Baltimore. Detroit Lions minus two and a half at the Carolina Panthers, 43 and a half point total in this one. Big game for the playoffs for both teams. We know those Lions have been fantasy goodness this year. Who are your top plays in this one? It's a tricky one because it just feels like, I mean, Detroit are really good against a run lately. They've allowed the fewest fantasy points to running backs over the last three games. So you can't start Donna Foreman. You can't start Juba Hubbard. So that rules that out. So I think you kind of have to look at DJ Moore. You know, he's finally creeped over four receiving touchdowns for the first time in his career last week. <laughs> so his production has been very up and down, but the Lions have given up a lot of points to wide receivers this year. And then if you look at the other side of things, I mean, you start an aim on Ross St. Brown. I think we're at a point where we can start DeAndre Swift with confidence. Jamal Williams, he's had back-to-back games with less than 3.4 PPR points. When he doesn't get into the end zone, he's virtually no value for fantasy teams. But we saw last weekend the Panthers allowed three rushing touchdowns, so I'd expect him to have a bounce back this week. Yeah, so Lions-Panthers there. Uh, Lions minus two and a half on the road. <laughs> I like the Lions to cover in this one. I'm going to go under 43 and a half, though. The Lions, we know, can can score. That Carolina defense has been pretty good. They're like sixth over the last four or five weeks. Uh, did give up 24, which is the tied for the second most points Pittsburgh has scored all year, gave it up last week. Um, but their bottom four in offense the last five weeks, I think they're going to struggle to score against an improved Lions defense uh, here in the second half of the season. So I'm going Lions cover, but under 43 and a half. What about you? I'm going uh, with Detroit. It just feels like, you know, they have a team with the momentum, uh, but I'm creeping over just slightly. I don't feel overly confident in that one, though. Houston Texans plus three at the Tennessee Titans, 35 and a half point total there in Nashville. Derrick Henry's the obvious play, the most popular play this week. Four plus game or four straight games of 200 plus yards and two touchdowns against Houston. I think I was reading an article that said no other uh, running backs even have four such games in NFL history in a career. Malik Willis at quarterback, tons of attempts for Henry. Who are the other good plays in this one if you're to, to go with Henry or if you're not going to go with Henry? Yeah, it's it's a really tricky one because it's hard to get away from Henry like that, but he's 8,500 on DraftKings, so you're really paying for what everybody knows is a great matchup. And you'll probably have to make the decision between playing him and the likes of Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, who are all priced similarly and have really good matchups themselves. It just... I think if you're playing cash games, double up games, multipliers, you probably have to go with Henry. Um, I'm not interested in playing Malik Willis personally. We've seen him have 38 passing attempts and he's only completed 17 of them, 20 rush attempts for 80 yards. But 
when these teams played in week eight, Malik Willis was starting quarterback that week and he had 1.4 PPR points. Like that is, that's not what we want in the fantasy playoffs. Like, um, I think you can look at Quanquo. He scored double digit points in each of his last three games. We don't see that kind of consistency from tight ends normally who aren't in the top tier. The Texans allow the seventh most fantasy points position. They've allowed three top 12 fantasy performances since week 11 alone. So even though Malik Willis is throwing the ball, I'd be kind of okay in a real pinch playing a Quanquo or stacking them together in DFS purposes. On the other side of the ball, Brandon Cooks is practicing again, but it doesn't sound like he may or may not play. It's tricky to guess. The Titans' pass defense is 31st in DVOA over the last four games. They've also allowed the third most deep targets over the last four, which is an area Chris Moore's been really used. He's had six deep targets in the last two games, so I quite like him at 4,700. And we talked about the week uh, Josh Jacobs was very highly owned uh, or played. In this one with Henry, is this the type of game where you would go with him because if he has a great game, you're probably not going to win? Or would you go the opposite way and say, Maybe the Texans just load up to stop Henry, make Malik Willis beat him. And then if he doesn't have a good game, you are ahead of a bunch of other people who have started Henry. I I think it's really tricky. And I think it's one of those where if you're just making one lineup, then you've really got to decide where you're most confident when it comes to these high priced players this week, whether that's Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, or whether you'd rather go with Derrick Henry and really lean into that in this cold weather. Um, you know, this is in Tennessee, which, you know, is warmer than some areas in the country, but, you know, it's not in Houston, it's not in the Dome. And if Derrick Henry gets rolling, I mean, people just can't stop him. They, you know, it just shatters him. So it's it's a really tricky one. Um, I think you can definitely take stands against it in DFS. And if you're going to do that, I would lean all the way into it and um, just avoid this game in general in case... Malik Willis isn't he able to keep the offense on the field yeah I tried to trade for Derrick Henry just about every single week in in my home league just for this game and of course I'm playing against him so <laughs> if he can get 100 yards and just one touchdown I think that'll be a win for most people who have to play against him or are pretty much expecting him to go over 30 points uh so gonna be a very tense day watching that that score and that box score there down in uh Tennessee now Titans three-point favorites I like them to cover at home. You mentioned cold weather, the Texans coming out of the dome. They're playing a little bit better lately, but they're they're trying to hold on to that division, trying to keep the Jaguars at bay. It's being recorded on Thursday, so we don't know whether the Jaguars won or lost on Thursday night, but the Titans will, but still, they're going to want to win that division. And I'm going to go over 35 and a half. I do think Houston will be able to get to the end zone a couple times. Titans win this game, though, so they're able to push over 35 and a half. I'm going with the Titans to win this game and cover, but I'll go with the under. It feels like something messy, like 21-12 or something ugly. Washington Commanders plus seven at the San Francisco 49ers. Just a 38-point total here. Kind of in the middle of the pack this week. Got two really good defenses in this one. San Francisco number one over the last five weeks. Washington is fifth. You're obviously starting guys like Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Terry McLaurin in season long. But Tom, who are the best players from a DFS perspective in this one? I think it's a really tricky game because, I mean, San Francisco's defense has been really good. I mean, you know, their main weakness is against wide receiver threes or wide receiver others as we classify them on football outsiders. Maybe Curtis Samuel is the kind of player who gets there this week. They've allowed 15th most points to wide receivers in the last three games. So it's not like, you know, they're kind of in the middle of the pack. They're not completely shutting things down. So Curtis Samuel I like. I quite like Antonio Gibson as well. I feel like if you can put the commanders into a negative game script and they're having to pass the ball to their running backs quickly, getting the ball out to avoid that uh, Niners pass rush, then maybe it's a good game for him. But that's kind of about as much as I've got. I'm not sure I could start Terry McLaurin or Johan Dotson in DFS this week. And largely it's a game I'll probably fade for DFS purposes. Yeah, Commander's probably going to have to throw the ball a lot. I uh, would expect San Francisco, as well as Brock Purdy's been playing. But this could be the game uh, where he falters a little bit, but probably uh, going to be up there seven-point favorites. I do think Washington is able to keep it within a score there and cover with the way the defense has been playing. San Francisco, I think, wins this one. Under 38 points, though, two good defenses. Uh, again, I think they're going to make it tough, uh, so I don't think there's a whole lot of scoring in this one. Yeah, I'm going to lean with San Francisco on this side. I think it's just... 
Taylor Heineke leads the league in turnover worthy plays, and it just feels like San Francisco's defense could end up picking him off a couple of times, picking up a couple of defensive touchdowns. So I've gone with that, but I've gone with uh, the under here. Yeah, if you're able or if you're fortunate enough to have the San Francisco 49ers in season long, could be a good one here. Philadelphia Eagles plus five at the Dallas Cowboys. 47-point total, huge rivalry. Gardner Minshew now steps in to face Dallas with Jalen Hurts out this weekend, which means perhaps more passing than we're accustomed to Philly, although uh, they have been in the middle of the pack in rush rate lately. They were third highest rush rate, or on the year they have the third highest rush rate, right around the middle of the pack in their last three. So how does Gardner Minshew being inserted into this lineup at quarterback impact A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, even Dallas Goddard, if he does indeed end up playing. Yeah, I mean, this Cowboys defense earlier on in the season, they looked dominant, but lately they've fallen off. They ranked 24th in passing defense over the last four games. So I think you can start A.J. Brown, you can start Devonta Smith, and if Dallas Goddard plays, you can start him as well. Minshew played two full games last year, scored over 18 fantasy points in both them, threw the ball an average of 29 times in each of them. Uh, he had 39 completions, 428 yards. If we do get any word that the Eagles might be looking to rest a couple more of the starters, which we've not had so far, but Quez Watkins played in both games with Minshew last year. He totaled 10 targets for eight catches and 144 yards and a touchdown. So I feel like he's got some sneaky upside there, but Devonta Smith was productive with him. I think Dallas Goddard was fairly okay with him. He only played in one of the games. So really, I don't have too many worries about anyone on the Philly side of this. Yeah, Philly uh, can lock up the one seed in the NFC, I believe. They're three games ahead of uh, San Francisco, and only two games ahead of Minnesota have the tiebreaker, though. So a win here would would lock that up for them. So next week could be talking about resting some starters with Philadelphia, especially. Yeah, could be potential this week with Minshew in there. And the Dallas defense you mentioned not been great against the past. They're down two of their top three corners. Trayvon Diggs in there, but we know he's got a propensity uh, to be beat beat long sometimes so uh, still a good spot for those eagles now on the other side Dak prescott is back this time around against philly it was cooper rush earlier in the year last week was noah brown and uh, peyton hendershot finding the end zone but cd lamb still had 126 yards a very good game for him whom do you trust most against that tough philly defense uh, although they've been better against the rush than the pass here in the last five or six weeks since those acquisitions that we've talked about a couple times that you mentioned yeah, I think um, I'd be fine starting Dak Prescott this week. Over the last three games, uh, the Eagles have allowed the, first mo- the third most fantasy points to quarterbacks they faced. So that doesn't feel that scary. I think you've got to play C.D. Lamb. You know, he's got that slate-breaking potential. But we've just not seen it too often. Like, you know, there's games like that, but then games where he disappears. I think he's had uh, six uh games this season where he's uh, finished outside the top wide top 30 wide receivers and he's only finished as a top 12 five times so it's been very boom or bust sometimes he's not averaging as many passes as we'd really like to see like he's averaged 6.7 targets per game which is well first way two to atwell averages more than that and marcus robinson averages 6.7 so it kind of tells you where we're at because the Cowboys just aren't passing as heavily as we'd like them to. Uh, I think Dak Prescott's 30, 23rd in pass attempts per game with 31.2. So I do like Lamb, but I'm a little bit lower on Dalton Schultz and Michael Gallup than a lot of people are. I think we've not really seen any level of consistency from either of them of late. And if I've got a better option, I'll start them ahead of them this week. Yeah, this is one of those games a lot of people are hoping for a lot of scores because a lot of fantasy players on this one in the semifinals. Again, a big DFS game as well there too. I do think even with Minshew, Philly at least covers that defense has been so good this year. Uh, And again, the Dallas defense has really been off a little bit lately dealing with a lot of injuries. And actually, I I think Minshew does enough to win it. The Minshew Minshew mania is going to be back. He's going to win this one for Philly. But I'm going to – I'm siding with the under here at 47. Um I'm hoping for a lot of points, but I do think it'll come up just short, but I do think it'll be close. I'd be very happy as that as a present, seeing Jerry Jones right around Christmas looking miserable in their own building, but I have gone with Dallas, with it being in Dallas to uh, win this one and to cover. I think, you know, this is a game which will be decided in the fourth quarter, and I've gone with the under. I don't expect it to be as much of an explosive day as we'd like, but I feel like most studs will do enough to get there. Yeah, and obviously we're all hoping for a lot of points in this one. You and I, I think, would both uh, be happy to be wrong (laughs) taking the under there. So that's Philadelphia at Dallas.
Las Vegas Raiders plus two and a half at the Pittsburgh Steelers, 38 and a half point total. Pittsburgh third against the run the last five weeks, but only 23rd against the pass. So this seems like probably a smash spot for Devontae Adams. Yeah, and I think, you know, last week was slightly disappointing, but it was just the Raiders offense in general was poor. I mean, Derek Carr has completed only 56% of his pass attempts over the last three games, which is second worst amongst all stars. So the team needs to get clicking, really. I mean, Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro came back, but neither played more than 50% of the snaps. And I don't think that's why we can say Devon Adams had a poor game. And I'd definitely be... I feel like Devon Adams is going to have a bounce back this week. Um, Steelers rank 27th against running backs catching the ball as well. So that's an area where Josh Jacobs should be able to exploit. So really starting them with confidence. I feel like Darren Waller, we saw him get that touchdown last week, even though uh, Moreau was still involved. I've got a little bit more confidence that he's going to be more involved this week. So I think they're all fine. Now on the other side, uh, Kenny Pickett expected to return against that Vegas uh, pass defense. That's 31st in DVOA, second to last there. But are you trusting Pickett to provide value for any of those Steelers pass catchers? I think so. And I think, you know, you can start Pat Fryer move. You can start Pickens. We've seen, we kind of, we know what we're getting. I mean, Deontay Johnson might, maybe it'll be a Christmas miracle and he'll finally score a touchdown after over 100 targets. But that's not, you know, we saw him get there on volume alone at times over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Vegas, 32nd against running backs, catching the ball. So perhaps that's an area which Jalen Warren and Najee Harris can exploit. We've seen them both be involved to the point where they both get work around the goal line. Jalen Warren's seen slow work in the passing game. So I think if you're in a pinch, you can start Jalen Warren. If you've got Najee Harris, you're probably not in the fantasy playoffs anyway. <laughs> the one good spot if you do have Najee Harris is uh, he's playing that Raiders team that gave up a huge game to Ramondre Stevenson last week to accounted for pretty much all of the Patriots offense there so that would be good but uh, yeah it's been a rough year for Najee and it was probably too little too late to save you there this is a really ugly game to pick again two and a half points Pittsburgh's the favorite um, I'm gonna go with the Raiders to win that one even on the road even as bad as Derek Carr has looked at times uh, like we said, uh, Devonta Adams, a big game there. I think the Raiders will do enough to win this one. It'll be close and I'm going to go under 38 and a half because I think they can still look ugly, but win this game. I'm going with the Raiders side of it. And it's, uh, it's not cause I've got any faith in Derek Carr, but it's just simply believing in the star power of Devonta Adams and Josh Jacobs over anyone that the Steelers have at the minute. Um, and I've gone for this one to just creep over, but yeah, not by much, maybe like 21, 24 kind of game with Raiders just covering. Green Bay Packers plus three and a half at the Miami Dolphins, 49 and a half point total in Miami to kick off Christmas Day. All those Green Bay receivers are finally healthy. I'm loving it as a Packers fan. So no one really, though, had a big game Monday night except Aaron Jones had, a, I think, 90 yards on the ground, had 40-something yards, four catches and a touchdown. But Miami only 26th against the pass this year. So, Tom, how do you feel about Aaron Rodgers and these receivers, especially when they've got to win out to make the playoffs potentially? Yeah, Miami are a complete pass funnel. They're 11th against the run and 26th against the pass, as you mentioned. So it feels like this is a game where maybe you can project Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson to have good games. I mean, Christian Watson should have had a touchdown the other night if he turned around and run the right room. It was hard to really see what was going on there. It feels like this is all coming at a little bit of Alan Lazard's expense. Like, yeah, two targets last week, one catch for like eight yards. And, you know, even Randall Cobb, he has a more defined role within the slot and he's seen more targets. Dubs was seeing more targets straight from the op- from the goal last week. So I'd be starting, I'd even start Cobb, but I'd be happy starting Aaron Jones. I think if you really need to, you can start AJ Dillon. We've seen him being used quite a lot lately and it sounds like he's cleared the concussion protocol uh miami v allow lots of points to quarterbacks third most on the season third most to running backs they're worst in fantasy points to receiving running backs as well and the bad against tight ends they allow third most points to them so really this defense is just not a good one and i don't know what xavier howard is doing near the pro Bowl. Yeah, the Packers finally healthy going against a really have a good matchup. It's what we've all been waiting for this year, seeing all these receivers together with Rodgers. You mentioned it's kind of come at the expense of Lazar. That was tough. That was one of the props that I really liked on Monday. I think a lot of people, you know, Christian Watson was getting all the attention. 
and uh, Lazard was at like 41 and a half yards, 42 and a half. And you mentioned had the one catch for single digit yards. So that was rough to see. Really unfortunate for him, as good as he was in that number two role uh, over the last couple of years. But a really good spot for all the Packers receivers, tight end, even Aaron Jones, who said catching the ball. On the other side, Green Bay is still dead last against the run. So the opposite weakness is in Miami defense. Jeff Wilson dealing with an injury. Uh, I think for what I've seen, he should be back. But what about well, how are you playing those with Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson? I'd say I've got more confidence in Raheem Mostert right now. I think if you need to start Jeff Wilson, you definitely can, though, because if he plays in any fashion, then he'll be a, probably, even if he's picking up just a couple of touchdowns or something like that and limited work, he should be able to get there. Green Bay are allowing the second few fewest fantasy points to wide receivers in the last three games. So it's like their passing defense has picked up a little bit. Uh, I think they're particularly strong against wide receiver two. So perhaps this is a week where we see another down week from Jalen Waddle after last week's big game. But I mean, you're not benching Jalen Waddle at this point in the season. So you just got to lean into it and hope that they book the trend. Yeah, I'm going against uh, Jalen Waddle. Uh, so I'm hoping for one of those down weeks. So what you're saying is is making me feel pretty good, but I'm always a little pessimistic when it comes to uh, fantasy football. So I can't really be let down. But this one, again, another close game. Three and a half point total here. I think the Packers cover, and I'm actually I'm going to say they sneak it out. They're going to keep their playoff hopes alive again, all healthy. Uh, as good as the offense has been over the last few weeks, we've seen them look kind of bad at times throughout the games. But I'm going to go under 49 and a half points. And again, I think uh, to your point, the, the past defense has been really good. It's going to be able to slow down Miami a little bit, who really hasn't been playing as well as they were earlier in the year. Yeah, I'm just leaning towards Miami a little bit. I think. What they have going as a team feels more cohesive and more consistent, even though they've been playing a little worse over the last few weeks. And uh, But I'm leaning into the over for this one, really hoping that this is going to be one of the games that delivers a big amount of fantasy points this weekend. Yeah, another one with a lot of big players that people are counting on there. And that's Green Bay at Miami to kick off Christmas Day. Denver Broncos minus two and a half at the Los Angeles Rams, 36 and a half point total. The middle game there on Christmas Day. Ugly game all around. Really all I got for you, Todd, in this one. Perhaps the defenses are the best plays here. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you know, you look about over under and I was starting to think, okay, well, how many how many times can Denver pick off Baker Mayfield? Mm-hmm. Because we saw in that first game where he made the debut, he looked really good at times. But then last week, he was back to his old self, full of confidence, stepping into things and then throwing interceptions that no other quarterback is going to try and do. So really, this could be the kind of game where the Broncos pass defense picks up at least one score. And outside of that, I mean... You can't start anyone on the Rams side of it, regardless of how well Tutu Atwell's played above expectations, regardless of the fact that Tyler Higby finally got his first touchdown of the last of the season last week. This Broncos defense is just really good at draining the life out of games. And I think you can play Cam Akers as a real push. I mean, he had 83% of running back opportunities last week, and he's the only good part of this offense. Um, in a, It just seems like Kyron Williams has been minimalized a little bit over the last couple of weeks, and this is now Akers' role. Yeah, you mentioned the interceptions from Baker. They also lost another offensive lineman last week uh, for the rest of the year, so could get some sacks racked up there for that defense, uh, that Broncos defense as well. Surprisingly, too, I was looking at them. Fantasy, they actually, I don't believe, I think it was accurate, have not scored a defensive touchdown this year, uh, which is a little surprising with them. So hoping this is the first week for a lot of people who have Denver that are expecting some sacks maybe some stri- some uh, sack fumbles, uh, pick six, something, as you said, to get a touchdown there would be big. Um, Broncos, I do think, win this one on the road. Your point, the defense is is, is very good. Um, Russell Wilson will be back in the lineup. Hasn't been good, but I think he'll be better than Baker Mayfield. And I've got under 36 and a half. I wrote down here just because, LOL, I, I'm not expecting a lot of points. Maybe the defenses do get enough to push it over, but I think under th- 36 and a half. Completely agreed with you there. I think earlier on in the week, I was kind of toying with maybe going towards the Rams side if Brett Ripon had started. But with with Russ there, it feels crazy to say, but I feel like he can kind of keep the offense moving enough yep. that this Rams side just isn't in it. Yeah, Cortland Sutton may be back too. I haven't seen official word. I think he was limited this week. So that would be yeah. a boost for them as well. And that's Denver at the Los Angeles Rams. 
Tampa Bay Buccaneers minus seven and a half at the Arizona Cardinals. 40 and a half point total on this one. A little bit higher, I think, than I would have expected based on some of these other games. Trace McSorley getting the start for Arizona through two interceptions on 15 pass attempts last week. I imagine that's a pretty big downgrade for all those Arizona pass catchers. Yeah, definitely. And I think if you really want to clutch at straws, we can look back to the fact that he and Marquise Brown have known each other for a while now. They were both in Baltimore for a couple of seasons before they both ended up in Arizona. So there were games where McSorley played and he had a bit of a rapport with Brown, but we didn't see that last week. A lot of the passes were going to DeAndre Hopkins and they weren't particularly great. I think you have to downgrade James Conner Trace McSorley's got 39 career pass attempts and only four of them are running backs. So it's not like he's taking the dink and dunk options close to the line of scrimmage. Um, Trey McBride probably had one of his better games last week. He almost broke double-digit PPR points for the first time. So if you're really looking to play like single-game showdown slates with this one, then possibly, I mean, Arizona as well, they really struggle against uh tight ends they struggle against running backs so you can start whoever you want on the book side really yeah chris godwin continues to thrive for tampa bay arizona only 30th defending short passes he's uh, had his lowest i believe lowest average depth of target this year of his career and you mentioned the rapport with uh or what with mcsorley and marquise brown i think it was those two that connected in that game uh, i don't know if you remember against pittsburgh a couple years ago it was like wednesday afternoon football and they made it a game late yeah. uh, so maybe hoping for a little bit more of that uh this weekend but not necessarily counting on it yeah and just just touching a little bit more on the books i think you know mike evans if he was clearly being scripted a lot of passes early last week they came out and passed heavily to him early on uh you know it was his most productive fantasy performance in the last six weeks and it was only 13 ppr points but it was his first game over 60 yards in seven weeks, so you've kind of got to take what you can do. Russell Gage, two touchdowns last week. He now leads all Bucks pass catchers with four, which says everything you need to know about how this season's going. But in a dome in Arizona, I, yeah, I feel like there's maybe some sneaky fantasy goodness there on the Bucks side of things. Yeah, any reason to avoid Chris Godwin as good as he's been? You think they will try and get Mike Evans more involved or he's going to see that same volume? No, I've got enough confidence that this week for the Bucks, there's enough points to go around. And then one last question here. You mentioned Arizona, worst against tight ends, allowing 15 fantasy points per game. Who's the better play that? Cameron Brait had more targets last week, but I think he and Kate Otten were tied in receptions. Otten caught one of one. I think Brait was one of five or two of five. Who do you like better there? I quite like Otten. Oh, he's kind of come along quite nicely as the season's gone on. I think, you know, Bray, Bray is what he is. He's been on the books for years now, and he's never really been a consistent performer, whereas Otten seems to have a slightly higher ceiling. Tampa Bay, seven and a half point favorites. I like Tampa Bay to cover even as bad as they've looked at times this year as well. I think under 45 with Tampa Bay doing most of the scoring in this one. Not expecting a lot from that Arizona offense with McSorley. How about you? Yeah, completely agree with you there. It's just very hard to see this one uh, being good for Arizona. Los Angeles Chargers minus five at Indianapolis Colts. 46 point total here on Monday nights. Day after Christmas, Boxing Day over there for you, I believe. Right, Tom? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> the day after Christmas, we've got BDN Nick Foles under center for the Colts. I imagine he's an upgrade and gives you a little bit more of a positive outlook on this uh, Colts offense. But how much? Yeah, it's kind of tricky to know, really. I mean, we saw him play a couple of games like over the last couple of years. Like last year, I think he was uh, was he on the Jags when he played against the Seahawks. He had 15 points in fantasy that week. I mean, you kind of look back and outside of that stretch with the Eagles, he's never been incredible. And it's more he's more of a cult figure than anything else at this point. But Matt Ryan was playing bad, you know, even in that game where there were all these points generated against the Vikings. Most of them were coming from defense. So, yeah, Paris Campbell, he had that three-game stretch with Matt Ryan where he was a top 12 wide receiver, but in four games following, he's had like six PPR points a game. Michael Pittman seems to be able to survive and plays fine, and I'd be completely happy playing him. As far as the running backs go, I mean, Zach Moss outcarried Deion Jackson 24-13. But then this week, they also signed Jordan Wilkins to the regular squad. So it feels like that's going to be a heavy committee approach. And outside of Michael Pittman, it's not really anybody I'd like to start there. 
Yeah, picked up uh, Zach Moss was the one I picked up over Deion Jackson, but taking more of a wait and see approach just based on better options this week. And then he's got the uh, the Texans, I believe, next week, which could be a good one if he handles the majority of the work there again. Be a lot, probably going to be a three headed committee there, as you mentioned with Wilkins coming up. Nick Foles was also uh, did get the win for Chicago, and I think it was a Thursday night game against the Bucks. That game where Tom Brady may or may not have thought it was fourth down at the end. But again, wasn't incredible, but did enough to get the win there. So uh, an, an improvement for that Colts offense, but not a huge upgrade there uh, was what they've got. On the other side, we saw Kirk Cousins go off after halftime last week in that historic comeback against Indy. Justin Herbert, the Chargers, probably all solid plays in that last game uh, of the week for season-long semifinals matchups. It's going to be a big one. There's going to be a lot riding on this game, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the indie defense over the last three games, they've given up the fifth most fantasy points to quarterbacks, the most to running backs, the second most to wide receivers. The only position they're remotely good against over those three games has been the tight end where they're 15th most in fantasy points. So perhaps you can tell yourself a story where Gerald Everett isn't worth playing this week, but the Chargers have just been improving on all areas since Keenan Allen got back, since Mike Williams got back, Justin Herbert seems to be playing a lot better. I know last week against the Titans wasn't overly pretty and it wasn't the shootout, which I'd hoped it would be, but their defense is playing better now. They've uh, tightened up against the run. I think they're eighth over the last three games and there's no real obvious area to target against them. So if I'm playing this game from a DFS purpose, I'll just be heavily playing the Chargers side of things. Yeah, I'm hoping for a lot out of Justin Herbert in this one uh, and touchdown passes to anyone other than Keenan Allen. So uh, <laughs> the good thing is Keenan Allen scores. That means Justin Herbert scoring. So I uh, can't, can't be too upset there. Looking at this one again, last game of the Christmas weekend. Chargers are five-point favorites on the road uh, going from a dome to a dome. I like the Chargers to win. I do think Indy can keep it a little bit close. You mentioned the Chargers expect a little bit more out of them last week against a horrible Titans secondary, only able to put up, I think, what, 17 points or 20 points. They got the field goal at the end to win it. So I do think it is going to be a little bit closer, maybe three or four point game. Uh, But I do think over 46 points, uh, Nick Foles is able to do some scoring there. But again, Chargers uh, win, Colts cover, and I like over 46. How about you to end the week? I'm going with the Chargers to cover here. I just, I've got no faith in Jeff Saturday's coaching at the minute, uh, but I like the Chargers to take this one and to be over. Yep. Over 46, hoping for a lot of points to end the holiday weekend. And that is it for the Los Angeles Chargers at Indianapolis Colts. Don't forget, you can get a free $100 on Underdog Fantasy using promo code OUTSIDERS. You can do that even in states where traditional prop betting isn't available. That's important because one of the favorites is the Pick'em, where you're par- basically parlaying players' chances to go higher or lower than their projected stat lines on underdog. Also, don't forget to sign up for FO Plus at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. An annual subscription will last them all the way till this time next year, so they'll have all the draft content, the off-season content, the fantasy content for next year, pretty much the whole season for fantasy. And last but certainly not least, join us on the Football Outsiders Discord for in-game conversations starting tonight with the Jaguars at Jets. 